Coming up on another mini-episode of the Front Page Football Podcast, Adelaide United defeating MacArthur 1-0. That was the Friday night game in the A-League men, and as usual on this podcast, that is what we will be reviewing. It's Cody Ajada, Matt Olsen, and Dylan Bozicevic. This week, I was not able to join the pod, but Cody's done a great job in taking my place in hosting uh, in what was really a controversial uh, game as well. Red cards on either side, um, Kurt Ams mistakenly uh, for one moment as well sending off Ben Halloran uh, even even though um, you know he wasn't supposed to be uh, sent off too so look there was uh, some interesting refereeing which I'm sure the boys uh, got into and spoke about a little bit talk a little bit about MacArthur Daniel Arzani the situation going on there of course Although he uh, he did mention post-game that uh, he had some tonsillitis this week and he didn't actually train. That was probably factored into why he started on the bench. In recent weeks, he has been on the bench quite consistently. So uh, there is a question there around his, his minutes and his game time as well. But I'll be back uh, with, with some of the other lads later on. Um, not later on, but early next week. Um, to review the rest of the round's action. Um, and we'll also be doing some mid-season grades for uh, every team in the A-League men as well. So stay tuned for that. It's a couple pods this weekend. Uh, we're really looking forward to it. And make sure you check out our socials. That's Twitter and Instagram, Front PG Football, Facebook, Front Page Football, uh, even LinkedIn if you want to uh, if you want to follow us on there too. And our website as well. Some great articles that went out this week too. A great article from Dylan Bozicevic as well looking at uh, Macedonia Park and uh, the smaller stadiums argument, I guess, in the A-League. And then uh, Antonis Pagonis did a great interview with Louis Lorelatanzio. So go and check that out as well. Uh, Louis, of course, the only active South Australian male Indigenous footballer right now, which is kind of an astonishing stat. So, yeah, lots of good stuff going on at the moment. That's frontpagefootball.net for the website and the articles. But as for now, I'm going to leave it here, and Cody is going to take it away right after this. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of FPF's Friday Night Minis. My name's Cody Ojeda. I am not your usual voice that you'll be hearing host. Um, Christian, our usual host, is unavailable today. Can't exactly remember why. Maybe he doesn't consider this as important as the people that have shown up for work today do. Anyway, um, this is the Friday Night Mini. My name's Cody Ojeda. I am joined by Matt Olson. Matt, how are you doing today? More uh, podcast intros where we take the piss out of Christian. I love it. Um, <laughs> as you'll recall, we started front page dub with a dig at Christian. And I thought the longer this goes on, uh, the more sketchy things are going to get in that group chat of ours. But no, no, it's all good. Um, uh, what what a game of football we saw tonight. Like that, that is just ridiculous. I don't think uh, scenes like that are going to come by very often. And um, a big, a big rant probably forthcoming about one particular team and a few of the men within that team tonight. But we'll uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it 100%. I will introduce our other panel member for tonight. Joining me and Matt is Dylan Bozicevic. Dylan, how are you doing today? Yeah, good. And uh, as Matt said, what a game to watch on a Friday night. Again, the referee had a big part to play in the game. A lot of cards shown, but... Yeah, it was. It's, 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 it's a shame because every week we come on this mini, and it seems we've got to have a conversation about the ref. Before we get into it, Dylan, 
um, you did put an article out during the week about um, some smaller boutique stadiums in the A-League and how well um, it suited Perth. Congratulations on that article. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, Dylan's probably one of our newer writers at the moment, and he's already gotten off to a flying start, so massive shout-out to him. Nice way to start the pod. We will get stuck into the match because there is so much to talk about in this match. Pure In pure A-League fashion, it was complete chaos. I don't know if there's a better way to put it. The quality was probably not um, the best we've seen this season. The refereeing quality, um, I'm not going to go too much into it because I don't think it's the worst performance we've seen. We did talk about a very, very poor refereeing performance a couple of weeks back. But yeah, probably not the best quality we've seen again this season. But the entertainment value was at its peak in, in true A-League fashion, as I just said. Um, not much on the goal side. Two red cards. MacArthur, after while they had the numerical advantage, decided to do absolutely nothing. Um, really pressed forward late with 10 men when they went equal with Adelaide. But it was a Joe Gauchy masterclass that kept them at bay and got Adelaide three points at home. Um, overall thoughts on the match? Um, I know you've kind of given a couple of comments, but Matt, any comment you can make about the game just in general? Oh, um, I guess as far as general summaries go, um, I'd just like to say that, that the game's still delivered um, and I don't know if it's good or, or bad, the context with which it delivered. I just know that you can't watch a game like that and not be entertained, you know what I mean? Um, you know, a lot of yellow cards, a lot of sort of a very, very frustrated and forlorn MacArthur attack. I think it speaks a lot that MacArthur's best player on the night by far and away was Matt Miller, who, um, you know, is not there to score goals. Um, Craig Noon, there was a lot of antics pre-game about Craig Noon and his stats playing on the wing um, by comparison to to what Craig Goodwin had offered Adelaide. The contrast is obviously very stark, but it was important to point out because Craig Noon is a marquee international player. Craig Goodwin is a local player. So, you, you know, that it's an important comparison to make because that's the standard that someone Craig Noon, uh, you know, that's the standard that he needs to be at, someone like him. Um, and uh, I just, again, I just, I couldn't stop thinking about MacArthur and Dwight York the whole night because they've had a really golden opportunity with an early red card and you just felt an equaliser should have been there. And in fact, a winner should have actually been there. They probably had two goals in them had they played with a little bit more fight, a little bit more edge. Instead, they're playing this really frustrating brand of football, almost looking more stressed against 10 men than they did 11. That that shit needs to stop in the A-League as far as I'm concerned. And what, what, what about all this stuff in the second half where they actually gain control of the situation and they're flopping in the box time after time after time? Arabioli, he's, he's a great signing and, and clearly a lot of really talented football coming out of Georgia at the moment. But what on earth was that? Like he's been tapped on the shoulder and he's just he's just flopped over, and and, and so for me, you know, this is mostly um, a, a very a very big L for MacArthur on the night. But even just the antics and, and and the things that were happening in between, obviously a very physical game, a lot of fouling. Um, Kurt Ams giving Halloran a red, even though he wasn't on yellow. Um, and fisticuffs with Jed Drew and Ryan Kiddo. Yes, two two notorious hotheads that get in a lot of bickering and arguments. Those two, right? So. What the fuck was this game, Cody? What, what, what can we say? That's what I mean. Like, I'm looking at this match, and I'm struggling where to start just trying to debrief it. Um, You've given me, actually, a little bit of a great starting point with the whole um, MacArthur situation where 
I did mention it earlier. They look like they they look like they were attacking better when they had ten men than when they had eleven men, and it's frustrating because we have spoken so much about Dwight York and more the positives about his style of play, where he does give a lot of his creative players the freedom to just kind of go and do what they want, and express themselves. But not like tonight. We got to see glimpses of it every now and then, but it still kind of felt like every time they got near the box, they were trying to be a bit too cute with it. Um, I believe Robbie Thompson actually said during the night, MacArthur are the only team in the competition this season that haven't scored from outside the box yet. And there were a few times where they had a little bit of space where you would back the likes of someone like the Villa to have a shot, but they were just trying to play those little cute over-the-top balls, trying to find Arabuli in the air, even though he's marked by Nick Ansel, who I believe actually had a very, very good game. But Dylan, um, me and Matt, we've been on the last few minis where we've gotten to talk a fair bit about MacArthur. You haven't really had the chance to give your opinion, so some of some thoughts about what you think of Dwight York so far, and especially today where maybe some of the praise that he has been given in the past kind of fell through. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I watched the game last week for MacArthur and quite quite a similar outcome, actually, I think, in terms of how the game panned out, where you saw in the first half, I thought Adelaide dominated even with the 10 men in that first half, like you said, Matt, um, which was very similar to Central Coast last week against MacArthur. But then in that second half, as you said, Cody, MacArthur really gained control. And I think to some extent, it is York and the way he plays. But as well, the responsibility has to go to his players. Like I know we talked about Craig Noon and comparing him with Craig Goodwin. But I think Noon was the shining light for MacArthur tonight. I think those antics actually helped him more than anything. And he was playing up to it quite a lot. And he looked like he, with that fire, it kind of, it gave him more energy to push push on. But I just... Do you think, do you think he would have scored from the, the, the red card um, opportunity? He was definitely in front of Warland. And I think there would have been a very good opportunity for him to score. But with the way Joe Gauchi played... I don't know, because I must like Joe Gauchi tonight just proved that that next Socceroos squad, whenever it is, he has to be in there somewhere. They have to make room for him because what I saw tonight, and everyone will talk about the saves he made, but one thing I actually want to highlight is coming for crosses. I think from all the keepers that I've seen so far in the league, Tonight's performance coming for crosses. I don't think he dropped one. I don't think he he punched one. He caught every single cross into the box. And for a keeper to do that just shows the confidence he has. And the Adelaide defence as well, sitting in front of him, you know, they must just have full confidence in him. And again, a lot of positives to take out of that game for Adelaide. But I think we do have to look at MacArthur and they have to look at their front third and have a think about who needs to come in there. Because Aaron Bully, for me, at the moment, he's played one good game this season against Sydney FC. And other than that, I haven't seen anything else. Oh, the, the game against Perth was pretty good, but it was a forget, it was a pretty forgettable fixture overall. <laughs> Both sides didn't really offer a lot. So, yeah, I know what you mean. Well, it's an interesting thing with MacArthur. You've got two or three strikers in the side. You've got, you've got Aaron Bully, as we just mentioned. Anthony Carter's waiting in the wings. Rocky Rose, being in and out of the squad, especially with injury, has had his arm um, struggles this season despite obviously signing that contract extension midweek. Big congratulations to him. But uh, I think it speaks volumes without how your strikers are performing when their top goal scorer is someone that you mentioned, Matt, a little bit earlier. Um, Matt Miller uh, from right back has four goals this season, which is more than anyone else in the MacArthur squad. 
And if we're going to talk about how their front line's performing, especially the person that number the nine wrong. Can we, can we actually just touch on Matt Miller for a second? Why I don't know the circumstances around why he's left Hibs, but he he doesn't belong in the A League. Like, I, with due respect to him, unless unless it's like family reasons or something, he needs um, to go back. He, needs he to was go at back. Saint Mirren last season, I believe. Hibs wasn't it? I'm sure it was Hibs. Uh-huh. Saint Mirren is where Ryan Strain is with uh, with Bacchus. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's where he was last season. No, no, I'm I'm referencing this right now. Continue on with your conversation about Look, the front line. But that's what I mean. You've got. I've pulled up some stats, actually. I um, did a little bit of research while the game was actually playing on. Since the turn of the year, four games, they have scored three goals. Uh, the last time they actually had their striker score was out of Bully's brace against Sydney FC on Christmas Eve. But, yeah, that's what I mean. They've brought in two strikers this season. Obviously, they had their issues last season. Tommy Urich um, definitely had his injury woes. But it does feel a bit, a little bit like they were kind of banking on people like Toure Arzani to be finding the net a lot more than what they actually are this season. Azani in particular, who we will probably be talking about very soon. But where do MacArthur go from here? Because if you've exhausted every striker option you have, especially in the short term, is it a case of maybe moving someone like Toure up top through the middle? Are they going to see out our bully? And if the situation does keep it going, they're in danger of maybe even not even making the top six. And considering the hype that came around into them this season, especially being cup winners, that would be a massive disappointment. And as much as it's his first season as coach, probably would reflect a bit badly on um, Dwight York. Yeah, Dylan. Considering the positive momentum that they had, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I apologise. 12 games for St Mirren uh, in 21-22. <laughs> Sorry, Cody. <laughs> I remember things, man. I remember things. So I just want to jump in here. I think that's a that's actually a good idea from what you said there, Cody, about Al-Hassan Toure possibly moving up front. With Carter and Arambuli, who... I guess Carter hasn't seen too many minutes. I'm not too sure the circumstances there, whether it's been injuries, off-field performances in training. I don't know what Diet York sees. But for me, I think what everyone, the outside world sees was Al-Hassan Toure's performances in the FFA Cup. And that showed that he's definitely proven enough to be a starter in this squad especially in that final, which I did understand it was against Sydney United, but, you know, that's still a team that made it to the final. Um, but he's other show... knocked off two early clubs too. Yeah, exactly right. So, you know, he did show against Sydney United that he was proven. And I don't think he's really had too much of a chance since then to show. So with the form of Aaron Bully and with things, you know, not coming into place for Carter, it's a good chance for Alhassan Toure for when he gets that chance, he needs to take it. But I'm confident in what I've seen from MacArthur's attacking ability that he needs to at least be given the chance first. That's what I mean. Toure, especially like from the Australia Cup leading, well, yeah, Australia Cup leading into this season, he's shown he's definitely, he deserves to be starting in this league. And I, and me personally, he's been one of my favourite players to watch since he broke onto the scene at Adelaide United. At Adelaide United, he actually broke in as a striker too, as that focal point in an attack. So he's shown in the past he can play that role. The only thing is, MacArthur do have a lot of depth, so I understand there's going to be competition. Maybe there's going to be times where he is going to have to drop out, but but there's definitely been chances where they have benched him in situations where they probably could have given him a start, especially if he's high on confidence. But yeah, that's definitely a conversation that um York will hopefully be having with his backroom staff. Another one that they'll be having, Daniel Arzani. Some fifth game in a row that he started on the bench. 
And for someone who, another player who had a lot of hype coming into this season, he really hasn't delivered in terms of, like I said before, the numbers. He's had one goal, two assists this season. It's in a way underwhelming. He definitely does provide a bright, bright spark. Definitely exciting to watch still. I definitely won't deny that. But the actual impact that he's having on games, it does leave a little bit, uh, sorry, a little bit more to be desired, Matt. I'm I'm sick. Uh, I'm sick of of young promising wingers fading away like this. Danny, Danny De Silva didn't reach the heights promised of him. Daniel Lazzani is going in that trajectory. Um, Marco Tilio needs a move to Europe where he can actually play. All the same thing is is destined of him, and it 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 it, it kind of scares me a little bit because I just don't understand where where all this talent, you know, why why all this talent is fading away, and at what point in the development process. Is it happening? I, I I don't know, but the one thing that I want to speak to this is, I mean, from the from the particularly from the from the club dynamics um, within you know Macarthur themselves. I mean, they do have this incredible forward line. They do have this incredible attack, um, and I think Daniel has been uh, he's had problems sort of in and out with injuries, or at least being able to secure um, football. From the best of my understanding, was that was that, was that right? That he's not that he's not being completely fit. Yeah, um, there was uh, Christian McKenna did there, notify us that he was yeah, um, yeah. struggling so, during the week, didn't train too much. So I guess that no, is going exactly to play a right. factor. But... So I mean, like that is that's an example where maybe the the wider conversation can just skip off for 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 a little bit. But I, I it's it's worth mentioning when you're talking about this because this is a team where if Sydney FC win by two goals um, in Hobart tomorrow. MacArthur are going to be out of the top six. And, you know, you bring up these guys like Al Hassan Torre and, and all that talent that they have, but Azani just seems to be a victim of this team not knowing what, what they're able to do to get right, whether it be consistently putting the same players on the pitch that the club are actually renowned for having in their team. You, you know what I mean? Whether whether it be a, a, a bit of that going on where, the, where there's just something wrong culturally, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm reading far too much into it. But for me, it just seems really odd that the MacArthur from the Cup seemed to be this team with, you know, basically no ceiling that was going to, to come through and be a real force. And they've actually been promising this for like three or four seasons now, or going back to basically when they started. And it just hasn't clicked for whatever reason. So I'm just wondering wondering what's going on there and, and ultimately what effect that is going to have on Daniel's development. For me, it's it's something that's really concerning. Well, look, if we're looking in the short term, if you're looking at MacArthur's side, the way they're playing, we've got 60 minutes without Arzani on the field. We've got 30 minutes with him on the field, may give or take a few. Mm-hmm. Are they a better side with or without him? What do you guys think? Well, I think I think when he's been when he's been there, yeah. Yeah, they've been marketably better. Tonight there was just <laughs> tonight was was chaotic um, in every sense of the word. And um, to be fair, he's actually had the opportunity to score the equaliser and 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 messed it up pretty badly. So I don't know what you can say um, about that. But you know, at the end of the day, I think looking over the season because we're we're doing our mid-season reports at the weekend anyway, right? You look over that period. I think Daniel Arzani, Alpha Santore. Um, you know, Craig Noon, probably not, but a lot of these guys that are supposed to be the focal point when they've been there and when they've been consistent, it has worked, but their, their trajectory right now is going in the opposite direction. So I just don't know how much we can, we can speak to that, um, with regards to tonight, because it was probably a bit of an anomaly in some ways, but also bang on with a lot of the problems with this team being super inconsistent as well. Yeah, Dylan? Um, yeah, on, on Arzani, I've, 
of course it has been a tough season for him, but I do, as Matt said, when he has been there, I do think McAuliffe have looked better. Um, he's created a lot of chances from what I've seen. And even tonight, it was a chaotic game, but just for him to be having shots alone when he was on the field is what you want from a player. Because at the end of the day, okay, on a day like today, he had clear cut chances and he missed, you know, he missed them when it came to it. But on another day, he's going to score them. Um, so I think when when he is on the field, MacArthur do look like a stronger side. They have a bit more of an attacking threat. But in saying that, yeah, as Matt said, if Sydney win by two tomorrow, MacArthur drops out of the six. I think they're really looking at the back of this season This with, you know, it's quite a disappointing one. And I'm saying that at the halfway stage. So, well, of course, they're going to have a bit of time to turn it around. Yeah, There's yeah. one thing I can actually speak on, on the Azani um, topic before we do move on. There was a comment that was made during the broadcast. I can't remember if it was Ben Tamale or um, Robbie Thompson that made it, but it was uh, giving out some stats about um, XG when Azani wasn't, wasn't on the field, both what MacArthur were producing and conceding. Now, one aspect that he did make that he did point out was when Azani is on the pitch, teams do tend to back off a little bit and they see, okay, we've got this dangerous player that we're going up against and maybe a uh, fullback that's prone to going forward a little bit more, likes to uh, make those overlapping runs, may actually hold back a little bit and it does force opposition to sit a little bit deeper. So his presence automatically puts MacArthur in a better position because people know him, people are aware of him, people, ah, people suddenly start going on the back foot. And suddenly that's less defensively that MacArthur have to worry about. And it allows players like Miller, who's already shown he's very, very good going forward. And it gives them the room to move a bit forward. So in that aspect, it is a bit hard to argue that Daniel Arzani doesn't produce something positive to the MacArthur side. Whether maybe York seeing that as, if we're going to use him in that way, maybe we'll use him later in the match. And that's why he's not starting games. But we did speak about this last week as well. Does Arzani want to be in that position where he's coming on as an impact sub? He's too far into his development to be wanting that, I'm sure. But unless you guys have anything you want to add quickly, we'll move on to Adelaide because that's where a lot of the chaos... Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot to say on the Reds. But just think about the fact that... Just the phrasing of that, Cody. His development. The man man is what? How old is Daniel Arzani? He should be 24 this year. Development? (laughs) No, I'm being fucking serious. He's close to his mid-20s. He's close to his mid-20s, I know. This is such a big problem. This yeah. is such a big problem in Australian football. We view 21, 22 year olds as young. It's, it, it and like, the look, thing I is, would argue 21 and 22 is still young, but 24, yeah, I do understand what your point no, is. No, but, but, but compare it, compare it to football the world over, okay? Youth academies, you're out of youth academies by the time you're 18, 19. And by an extension of us still considering players who are 21, 22, at an age where they're in, in within youth academies, it means that by the time the the Daniel Arzani's of the world are 24, 25, we still are sitting there talking about them as a young player because because they're a promising talent, but also just like like just the wording around it pisses me off. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to go off on that tirade, but fucking hell, D- Danny De Silva is nearly 30, and some people would probably still sit there calling him a young Tucker as well. You know what I mean? Dude, Real Jesse Lingard vibes there, eh? Yeah, well, well, yeah, well, yeah, kind of, to make a European comparison. 
I suppose. But and and comments like that again, I'm not. It's not an attack on you. It's just a point. Comments about Daniel Lozani and his development. We're talking about someone nearly in their mid twenties. Like, what what the fuck does that achieve? It doesn't. It doesn't do anything. So but does that maybe just, speak to the point where he should really be a nailed on starter in an early team then? Well, well, absolutely, but that that's more of a more of a, a problem with where this team are going and the, and their consistencies and you know injury problems in this particular case. So I don't want to go on that one, but I just it's worth mentioning because it's 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 a bit pathetic. That's I think. Oh, one hundred percent. Sorry, Dill. I just want to say one thing about Alzani, which is has hindered him throughout his career, is probably his attitude. You just see with you know the arrogance to him which some players need to, you know, push themselves forward in the game. But for me, I believe it's hindering him a bit more than what it is doing good to him. And once he realises that, then he'll start to realise how good... That actually is a a spot-on take, though, Dylan, because I heard a lot about when he was at Celtic in particular and how the attitude basically killed any prospects he had of, of somehow getting through the system there as well. So, I mean, yeah, it, it plays a part. But, Cody, you want to, you want to touch on Adelaide? I, I certainly do want to touch on Adelaide because that was where a lot of the chaos was coming from. Adelaide now, five red cards this season, four just in their last seven games, according to Robbie Cornthwaite, who put that out on Twitter earlier this evening. Considering there was talk about the fact that they did have that meeting to still address the disciplinary issues within the club or more within the team, and then they go out this weekend, 15 minutes into their match, I think the 16th minute, sorry, and Ben Warland. It could be a mistime tackle. I, I don't think he's going in with malicious intent, but it was at the very least reckless. It wasn't a good challenge. It was pretty nasty. Um, definitely deserved a card. I don't think anyone here is going to argue that, surely. Um, Dylan, don't tell me you want to argue it. No, no, I'm not going to argue <laughs> it, but I think he's, what was he doing in the first place? Is that something we have to talk about? The first thing you're taught as a defender is to never let the ball bounce. Yeah. And he's like, it was just chaos. That started it. And it's just so unnecessary for the red cards. And that's something that Adelaide has to look at, how they're getting these red cards, because a lot of them are, without a doubt, unnecessary. I think the biggest um, thing I noticed was the fact that Adelaide just seemed to lose their heads. It was a, it was a thing of, yeah, we've got one red card, we're up against it. Um, they felt like the ref was against them again. And suddenly every time Carter went in a little bit hard on them, they got the reaction yeah, out of them. Yeah, 100%. But by the same token, you had a team that were really embracing the chaos with more chaos and didn't know what they were doing. It's why the game was so entertaining to watch. And, and I mean, like like I said, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing because you both camps leave tonight pissed off. Uh, and I, I firmly believe that because Adelaide, Adelaide probably could have actually ended up winning the game by a few had they not had this happen. Um, and, you know, this, this lack of consistency, I'm, I'm really, I'm really starting to understand the 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 criticisms of of Carl Viet, plain and simple when when things like this are happening, um, and it's a shame that none of our you know South Australian uh, Adelaide boys, boys are on tonight to talk to talk more to this because like honestly, it's it's just it's funny looking at this and then comparing it to situations at other teams um, where you know they've struggled for consistency whether it be through injury whether it be through poor poor recruitment and seeing each A League teams and A League managers and their, their sort of individual response to that I find it pretty crazy um, that Cole Viet, you know has has really never bothered to try and get the situation under wraps you know what I mean um, but yeah tonight was just another example of of um of of Adelaide's chaotic side coming out, and it's a shame, in my opinion, anyway, that they leave the situation with three points. 
Well, look, if there's one thing you could take out of it before that red card did come through, they did look they did look good through that match. They got the early goal. They looked like they were on top of proceedings. Suddenly, and it seems to be the same story every week with Adelaide. Something like that happens. There's a big moment in the match, whether it be a red card, whether it be something else, they can see the goal, something stupid. And suddenly the mentality just shifts and suddenly they're on the back foot or they're committing stupid fouls, getting into scraps. Ryan Kiddo, who, as you said before, you didn't say before, you alluded to before at least, one of the more quieter players in the, in the side and also one of the leaders as well who then turns around and gets in a scrap with the young kid. I know the young kid's another quiet kid as well, but the fact that you're a senior player getting involved in stuff like that when Jed Drew, the foul that he committed, the way he pulled on the shirt and kind of grabbed Kiddo, he was looking for a reaction. He knew he was going to get the bite out of Kiddo. He went and got it. Suddenly, MacArthur, well, they should be on the front foot. They didn't take advantage of it, but then Adelaide were just playing into what MacArthur wanted. Um, Dylan, what do you think of that? Yeah, 100%. As you said, it was it was quite weird to see that Kiddo and Goodwin, probably the two most experienced players in Adelaide's squad. Yeah, Goodwin, I should have mentioned him too. He looked like he was losing it a lot more tonight. Yeah, we're, they were actually in the middle of this. And coming back to, obviously, Matt Miller, that frustrated Goodwin a lot because, because Goodwin, for me, he wasn't too involved in this game due to Matt Miller and how, how good he was. That frustrated Goodwin. And, you know, Jed Drew as well was... was I thought he, he did a pretty good job in the first half, especially on Kiddo. So with those two, yeah, the frustration showed and kind of killed Adelaide in a way. But with the ten men, they can't. They they stuck to their to their guns. I'd say Ibasuki had a couple of chances, which, you know, on another day, he, I'd say he scores. But, you know, I think we've seen a couple of times this season where I'd be saying the same thing. It's not not the Ibasuki that we saw, say, ten weeks ago, or you know, last season, where he'd finished. Especially there was a certain header that I think Halloran Halloran crossed it into him. And you could almost say it was a free header and he, and he put it wide. I don't know if any of you guys remember that. Yeah, 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 100%. Yeah. But, but um, yeah. yeah, good one. Uh, you mentioned him. His scrap was with Jack Coleman, another senior player letting a young kid get into his head. From Adelaide's perspective, that's like, they're, they're, they're almost in a position where they've got to have another team meeting about this. I mean, it's, 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 a, bit, it's a bit ridiculous. It's something that is going to stunt consistency. We're talking about a lot of A-League sides have been struggling for consistency this season, and especially in that middle table area where Adelaide are currently lingering. They go into a game against Melbourne City next week, who, aside from the Wanderers game last week, have well, actually, they looked really good last week, and they've really looked really good this season. You're going into a game like that, away from home, off the back of a performance like that, where you're going into one of your biggest matches this season, off the back of just scraping out a 1-0 victory with 10 men. It's its not ideal in any circumstances, is it, Matt? No. Um, and to be honest, you know, you talk about consistency. Other than Melbourne City and maybe Melbourne Victory um, on the opposite end of that spectrum, uh, 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 do we just call every team in the league like inconsistent or do we call them mediocre? Or like, what? Well, what is it? I honestly think it's a lot more of mediocrity and um, and a lack of consistency from these clubs as organisations from top to bottom. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I've seen and heard a lot more about the inside 
of these clubs having been involved in more of a media capacity. And the more I hear, <laughs> hear this kind of stuff about, oh, well, this team just needs to do this and this team isn't doing enough of this and there's inconsistency here and they're not developing well on the pitch in this area and, and so on and so forth. And then you hear all the horrible things going on off the field at clubs and I just got to sit here and think, I don't, I don't know that we we should be so accepting and just and just purely relay a lot of this information um, in on-field terms because when I hear you say that, I just think, to be honest, like the state of the league is great and everything, but how much of it does it take for clubs like Adelaide and MacArthur, who are two pretty good examples of they're, they're in this constant state where they're going to be between fourth and about eighth season after season after season after season, why can't they kick to that higher gear? It's because as an organisation, they don't have it within them, by, by the looks of it. They don't have it within them to, to move up. And again, this is more of a conversation for our mid-season review um, at the weekend. But I, I just I just hearing you say that just makes me think about it. You know, you know what I mean? Um, and no, that's the end. Oh, I get what you mean. And besides Melbourne City, I think the only one that you can say has really developed some on-field consistency this season. Mariners. would be the Mariners. And even yeah. that took a bit of time to get going because if you if you look to a few weeks before the World Cup started, they were actually in a pretty dire position. They were struggling to pick up points at the start of the season. So, yeah, I guess that's an issue that you guys will speak about with the Boys. mid-season review. I'm not too sure if I'll be on that. Um, oh. Dylan, you're trying to say something? Yeah, I just wanted to touch on that a little bit. I think it's just been, to be honest, it's it's if you look at every team and their starting 11s, there's so much inconsistency, and that's whether it's down to suspension, whether it's down to injury. It plays, it does, it plays a part in in all these teams' forms. And realistically, okay, MacArthur's backline tonight. I heard the stat that out of the 13 games, you know, Kurto, Uzcock, and Wietza, 13 out of 13 starts, and then Aspro and Miller, 12 out of 13 starts. But you look at every other team in the competition, and it feels like we're 13 games in and they're, still, they're struggling to find who their best 11 is. And that plays a big role in their performances. And we're seeing that. Um, we went in on that tangent, just talking about the red cards. And that was meant to be more about Adelaide's um, kind of temperament and that, their inconsistency to be able to just keep their heads cool in a football match. And they were probably a little bit lucky tonight to actually see out the result. But two people that stood out for me. Joe Gauchi, who we mentioned before, who I do really hope is in the next Socceroos squad. And I do believe both of you have already mentioned that, that he really should be. But, um, and I mentioned him briefly as well. Nick Ansel, his starting return, his first um, A-League start in, I believe, uh, over a calendar year now. And you can kind of see his impact as well. You're talking about Arabuli really struggling to get into the game today. I do think Ansel did a really good job on him, but... Having a senior member like that finally come into the back line for Adelaide, Dylan, how much of a difference does that make for, for their side going forward? Yeah, it was really interesting to see him back in the side. Um, a lot of people would have forgotten about him, especially from his Melbourne victory days where he was such a solid defensive player. And he proved that today after such a long time out. And you could see how important he was, especially with Warland going off getting sent off. Uh, I think Ansel was, if you took away Gauchi, Ansel was probably the second best player on the field for Adelaide. Yeah, 100%, and, 100%. And considering, as you mentioned, Ben Walland, obviously the early send-off, suddenly he's partnered with Javi Lopez, who has filled in a centre-back a little bit this season, but for a large part of that game, as much as Javi Lopez does have that experience, 
he's got someone who's not actually a natural center back partner with him. So he's got to take a lot of that responsibility for the leadership across the back line. And for someone that spent a lot of time out and is really only just starting to really get back into the side, really made a good account of himself today. And considering Adelaide do have, they definitely have some good young center backs, uh, especially with Popovich. But then you've got players like Ben Wall and Lachlan Barr who are solid options as well. Now you're adding Nick Ansel to that equation. And suddenly, if they're all fit and not suspended, because that's been the main issue with Adelaide a little bit, suddenly you are actually got a little bit of a headache with Culver, where he may have to really sit and think about his best centre-back pairing. Um, there is a whole other weekend of action that um, still needs to take place. We're only going to touch on it very, very briefly, mainly just give our thoughts on how we think they'll pan out, because a lot of the discourse around those games will take place. For us, Sunday night, for you viewers, Monday or Tuesday, it will be up. For more listeners, I do apologise. Triple header tomorrow. We've got Western United, Sydney FC first up. They're heading over to Tassie. Brisbane Raw, Melbourne City um, as the primetime kickoff. Finishing off with uh, another trip to Maso Dice for uh, Matt Olsen over here. Um, mm. Visiting, or not visiting, um, paying uh, host to Perth Glory's B team. Yes. So, um, <laughs> firstly, let's just let's just get this out, out of the way. Um, that game in Hobart is fucking huge. And I don't actually think, I think MacArthur are keeping their spot in the six, despite the narrative that I was painting earlier. I don't see Sydney FC winning this, not because of this notion of all oh, Corica sacked and things are going poorly. And they've, they've dropped the two nil in the 102nd minute against Perth, all this nonsense. No. Um, and I'm, I'm being deadly serious here. I would have tipped Sydney under literally any other circumstance, but a-League's All Access are filming John Aloisi. And A-League's All Access has a really good record. It's back. So I'm, I'm, it's back. <laughs> yes, it's back for uh, Australia Day or Invasion Day, which, whichever way um, you resign on that particular issue. But 26th of January, we are going to see John Aloisi and Western United celebrating a big win in Hobart because the film crews are out and the film crews have had a good record so far. So, yeah, I, again, I, I think it's going to be Western 1-0 or 2-1. Um, but... The heat is on Corica. Will Will Corica be sacked, Cody? Uh, Dylan, Dylan. Let's ask Dylan. Dylan is the Sydney man um, here. So, yeah, Dylan, Dylan, what do you think? I don't think he will more because of his legacy, but such a tough topic to talk about when it comes to sacking of managers. And I don't want to sit on the fence. Personally, I think he should, but I'm not the Sydney FC board, board of directors, and I think that no matter what happens this season, he won't get sacked until the season's over. I just don't think they'll put themselves in a position to sack the manager throughout a season. That's that's my opinion. To, sure. to sum it up, they'll sack him at the end no, of the no, season. No, 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 no. That, 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 that actually, I think, particularly because he, he was part of sort of the Arnie, Arnie reign as well. I mean, I get where you're coming from. And also, do you remember the Sydney FC documentary? Uh, here I am extending the mini to make it even longer. Yeah. This is the Sydney FC documentary where it almost looked like the board faked their conversation about should we sack Corica. It was very, very bizarre. Very, very bizarre. So whatever's yeah, going on I don't know if I watched it that in depth. Will... And I don't know if they're that good actors. But look, anyway, there yeah. are four <laughs> other games. Brisbane, <laughs> Melbourne City. Um, Brisbane obviously signing a new Austrian midfielder during the week. That'll be our first look of him. Um, any thoughts on how that came will go, boys? I think Redcliffe will always be a tough trip. And actually, historically, Melbourne City have, have never been able to be dominant there when they've gone there. So a draw on the cards, maybe. Um, and Brisbane Brisbane need to make sure they don't lose track of their really good form as well. So Warren Moon's doing well to get them in the six. Maybe a draw, I'm thinking. I'd say one not to Melbourne City. 
Yeah, look, Melbourne City do look pretty strong this season. I wouldn't be surprised. It'll be definitely be a low-scoring affair. Which One is nil surprising. Jamie McCarthy. May I just say? <laughs> One nil Honestly, Jamie I wouldn't McCarthy. be surprised. But um, and another trip to Maso Dyes, Perth Glory, Melbourne Victory. Um, do Perth keep their run going at home? Yeah, okay. So I, I think I think we'll still be undefeated. Um, the one thing that I do want to speak to is um, a, a sort of a, a loose friend of mine, um, someone that was involved in the CAF forums back in the day. Alex Baggio has come over from Melbourne Victory, and I'm, I'm going to be having a bit of a chat with him. Um, and um, it'll just be really good to get a Melbourne fan's perspective on on what's going on right now. So shout out my man, Alex. We're, we're going for lunch tomorrow and then um, heading heading down to Mastodice together. So big ups him for, for coming along. Um, my only, my only thing would say, my only thing that I would say to this is yes, football, football friends. Yeah. The, the fucking in between us reference got you there. Um, no, but, um, uh, just quickly, um, Melbourne victories form almost convinces me that they're going to get a result from this. Like they haven't, they, you remember they, they thrashed the jets four nil. Um, and that was their second to most recent win. And that was in round five. <laughs> so I just get, I just get vibes with this, you know, Tony Sage, Glory B team talk. I, I don't know. And also like the run from Perth has been a bit uncharacteristic. Like, are we, are we actually going to go undefeated at Macedice? Like there's only, there's only three games left. <laughs> so I don't know. Lots, lots of vibes there, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. It's one of those things, isn't it? Where when the teams, the two teams are so totally opposite in form it just it looks like it's going to go the opposite way for both of them isn't exactly, it exactly yeah so anyway, i personally think perth will get a win yeah, look we've in, got two to, games on the sunday as well wellington phoenix mariners to kick us off in wellington then newcastle pay home to western city wanderers uh results tips what do you guys think two away wins Two away oh, wins. Get out of town. I'm picking two home wins. Ooh, we got disagreement <laughs> on the pod. Here we go. That's content. Yeah, so I think I think the Jets are probably due for a good performance at home. Haven't put one similar similar sort of five with Melbourne victory, and also the Wanderers are just starting to get out of their good run of form as well. An opportunity to basically you know beat on the Wanderers when they're away, as we saw at Macedice with with Perth. So that that was my theory with the Jets winning. As for the Knicks, look, the Knicks the Knicks have been winning games so much and have been conceding a lot really late on in vital periods. They should actually be second in the league. If you if you look at the 1-0 leads and the 2-1 leads they've had that they haven't been able to hold from the 80th onwards, they would be second in the league. Which to speak to be saying about the Phoenix, you know, uh, you just you just never understand where they pull it out from. And I'll tell you what, if this this uh you know rhetoric around is Fukale going to take the the all whites to the world cup in the US and stay as phoenix manager for for nearly on a decade if he goes all the way through with this project this team are on the up and up and and their home form is going to be crucial to making that so again something for the mid-season report that needs to be spoken about but yeah just feeling feeling a next win this weekend there we go anyway we will leave it there hope you guys have enjoyed this extended version of the mini i think it turned into that was i think um, we've gone over quite, an hour yeah we, we oh, i don't think we've hit an hour yet i don't know we're not that bad but um yeah look hope you guys have all enjoyed it we do have our mid-season review coming later early next week uh my name is cody ajita i've been joined by matt olsen and dylan bozicevic dylan hopefully i pronounced that correctly apologies if i didn't um if you guys have enjoyed me hosting today in christian's absence be sure to let us know in the comments on facebook twitter instagram and show Christian Marchetti that I can be a half-decent host. Um, hope you guys have enjoyed it, and we will see you in the next one.